Good morning. Welcome to Communitas Church. My name is Mike Gary. I'm the pastor here in Communitas as a church that exists to love God, to love people, and to build disciples who walk in grace, who grow in their faith, and as a result of that, connect in groups to explore their gifts, and then generously use those gifts to build more disciples in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. So we have worshipped through gathering, uh, just the very nature of our, our coming together, being the theater where God's work is on display is in itself an act of worship. We've also worshipped through singing. Uh, Sean led us in, in some songs about who God is and what He's done. We have also worshipped through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. And as Sean alluded, we will uh, worship in a little while through the preaching, the proclamation of God's Word. But before we do that, we're going to worship through communion. And as we've said before, communion is a, is a sacred meal. It is not a magical meal. It is not a meal that is especially high in caloric value or nutritional substance. But what it does is it's highly symbolic and it communicates to us about who we are and how we're to function. Who, not based on what, not what we do. And so we, when, we, when we partake of this meal, what it does is it, it communicates, to, it reminds us of Jesus' sacrifice for us, and it, and it reaffirms our position before Christ. It's to say that, yes, Lord, we're with You. We accept the gift that You've given us. And it also shows those around us that, yes, we're all in this together. So that when we partake of this meal together, it communicates that, yes, it reaffirms, yeah, I'm a believer in Jesus. And then as a result, it says, I'm a believer in Jesus and I'm here with you. And so I, I'm, I'm here both to encourage you and for you to hold me accountable and, and to do things. So, it's, so it isn't just this individual thing where we're all just doing our own individual thing in the same space, but it's actually a, a communal piece. We're put to death the idea of, of our individual identity for the sake of our identity in Christ, which is often seen and portrayed and played out in community. And so the way that we do communion here at Communitas, we celebrate what's called open communion. So you don't need to be a member of our church to partake in communion with us, but we do ask that you would be a follower of Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you are welcome to come to the table. Um, and we see there's a lot of little kids around here, or little people. And so parents, we will leave it up to you as to decide whether or not communion is appropriate um, or participating in communion is an appropriate way for your kids to worship. Uh, another thing we do here is we're going to take a little bit of time in silence. Uh, we sang some songs. You're going to listen to me talk. You're going to listen to Elaine read. And uh, we're going to sing some more songs. And then you're going to go out throughout the day and there's going to be podcasts. There's going to be radio. There's going to be TV. There's going to be internet. There's all sorts of ways that we can input and we can have exposure to various types of noise. But it isn't very often that we get to take a moment in communal silence to listen and to listen as, as a gathered group of people. And so we're going to take some time to reflect on six questions. Who is God and what has He done? Who is Jesus and how did He live His life? And who is the Holy Spirit and what is the Holy Spirit doing in me today and trying to do in us today, right here, right now? And so we're going to take some time. We're going to, we're going to listen and we're going to hope that 
that the Holy Spirit will perhaps convict us of sin, may confirm in us what we're doing all in the hopes that we would better convey the truth of the Gospel and the hope of Jesus to the world around us. So who is Jesus? Or who is God and what has He done? Who is Jesus and how did He live His life? And as a result, how should I be living my life? And then who is the Holy Spirit and what is the Holy Spirit doing in and through me and in and through us? And, and in a room this large, I'm not so naive as to believe that everyone in here is all on the same page spiritually or theologically. And so if you're in here and you're just like, I'm not really sure where I'm at. I'm just kind of kicking around the tires of this thing. Well, we're glad that you're here. These are good people to be around. And so I invite you to join us in these questions about who is God and what has He done? Who is Jesus and how did He live His life? And who is the Holy Spirit? And what is the Holy Spirit trying to do in and through me? So I'll pray, and we'll, we'll take that time. And then as you're ready, come on forward, grab the elements, and then come on back to your seats. And uh, I'll read some words from Scripture, and then we'll all partake of the meal together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for what You've done, the way that You have orchestrated uh, Your world to show Your glory through Your people. And so Jesus, we thank You for the model that You are of, of this new humanity. And Holy Spirit, we pray that You would continue to work in us, that who we are would come out in what we do, that who we are would line up with the way that we go about our days, and who we are in You would be primary to us, that we would come to know that more, and that we would practice that together as a body, as Your people. And so in this time, Lord, convict us of sin. We know that it's a constant struggle. That the side of heaven, we, we never put everything fully to bed. So search the depths of our soul. Expose those forgotten areas. Set the bones and heal the wounds. Confirm in us what You're doing, how we're growing, and how we're glorifying You, that we would continue that. And Lord, help us to better convey Your truth around the world. So the last time that, that Jesus was with His friends, uh, they'd, been, they'd been traveling for some time and they'd, they'd walked a pretty considerable distance. They'd gone about the distance from, from Brainerd to Minneapolis. They'd, they'd walked this journey down to, to celebrate the Passover supper. And Jesus knows that this is the last time they're all together. He knows this if, if, if He can instill one thing in them, this is His last shot. He's got their attention. They're all going to be together. And, and so, you know, does he, does he do a Decalogue review? Does he, does he bring them through casket empty? Does he, does he do a Bible study? What, what, do they, what do they do? Does he give them one more lecture? What do they, what do, they do together? They celebrate the supper. They have dinner. And, and in this dinner, they, there was a certain script. And, and this script, he, he kind of takes it and he reworks it and he rewires it so they begin to understand that it isn't just about remembering what happened long ago but realizing that the promises of God are being fulfilled today 
and will continue into the future. And so as they're eating the bread, he blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them and says, take and eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank You for this covenant and for Your forgiveness. We know that it was part of Your plan done by Your works, not our own. And so we pray that we would live out of this covenant. Amen. Okay, at this time there are some blue buckets that are making their way around the room. Feel free to pitch your cups in there and we will recycle them for you. Uh, At this time, uh, Elaine is going to come up and read our passage out of Ephesians. We will be in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. You're going, hey, didn't we read that last last time? Uh, Yes, we did read Ephesians 8 through 13 last time, and we talked a little bit about about how grace was given to the least of these. And uh, today we're going to talk a little more about why and, and how that's given. So go ahead and flip open to Ephesians chapter 3. We'll be in verses 8 through 13. If a paper Bible is not available to you and you want to pull out a mobile device, feel free to do that. Tap, swipe, do whatever else you need to do to get there. If none of those options are available, the words will be displayed on the screen behind us. So Elaine, whenever you're ready, come on up and, uh, and we can read those words again. Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 8 through 13. To me, though I am the way, the very least of all the saints, the grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Amen. Thank you, Elaine, and thank you, Lord, for your word and uh, the way that it has been preserved, that we're able to read it. We pray, Lord, that we would take advantage of this this gift that uh, is this collection that we're able to to read and gather together, and we pray for the church around the world where that is not the case, uh, where they they gather in, in fear of government persecution. Uh, they gather and they do not have the word uh, in their their native tongue. And so, Lord, we pray that we as a church would continue to work uh, toward putting an end to that, that Your name would be known. Amen. Okay, at this time, kids. Do you know, help me out, what do we, what do, we do next? What do, do we go something over, over this way? Go out that door? Yeah, we go out that door? Okay, you can head on out toward that door. Uh, if you are a guest with us today, there are sign-in sheets for your children uh, at the doors in the back there. Follow the, the long train of kids heading out that direction. Lord, we thank you for these kids and we thank you for those who are back there with them today teaching and discipling them. We know that... Uh, discipling your children is not a second-class occupation, and um, Lord, we thank you for these young people. We know that they are not uh, the future of your church, but they are your church, and so we pray that uh, we as believers would would grow and develop them uh, for your glory. Amen.
I may have told this story here before, so pardon me. But uh, I was, I was, I got off work one day, and um, and I'd, I'd done some seasonal work out west for a little while, and uh, I'd I'd just finished a stint in Montana, and I'd come back to Minnesota and helped a buddy flip a house, and then we were we doing some. I was out in Colorado, and I I got off the bus, and um, I get this this message from a friend of mine, and and she says, "Hey, I, I just got finished." reading this book, and, um, and I think instead of looking for something bigger, I'm looking for someone bigger, and I, I think you can help me with that. I'd like to talk to you about that. Because um, her, her plan, after we got done in Montana, was to move to Alaska. She, she'd been certain, she'd tell you that she was certain of two things in her life. One, that she should, she should get divorced, and two, she could quit her job and move west. Now, those are the two things in life that she'd been certain of, and she was searching for, for something, and she, there, was, there was a grandeur and a greatness that was out there, and she, was, she knew that she needed to track that down. And she thought if she could get to Denali and, and stare at McKinley and, and some of the, the large mountains in Alaska, that, that there would be rest within her soul. And, and she read this book, um, or, you know, so this, the, this kind of this search and this grandeur had, had conjured up in her and, and she brought about this, this search and these questions. And then this book had, had kind of helped channel some of her thoughts and she said, I, I, I don't quite know how to make sense of all this. And, and so she said, I need to call somebody. And, and so she called me and said, hey, can you, can you help me figure this out? And I think it's it's so interesting that I mean, isn't that kind of the, the way of things at times where where we see something, we make an observation, be it in nature or 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 something else that that kind of brings about some questions, gets us to thinking, and and then there's there's maybe some type of a program or or, or some sort of conduit that helps kind of channel some of our questions, and but ultimately it ends up being people that that expose those truths and help us get things sorted out. And so when we read Paul's account here today, um, he's, he's writing to a church that's actually younger than Communitas. The church in Ephesus had only been around for you know five to seven years. And so Paul is writing to this, this group of people that they're just trying to figure out how to function. As we've said before, the Ephesus was, was the third largest town in the Roman Empire. It was this huge seaport. And so there was people coming from all over the place, all sorts of different backgrounds and whatever else. And so if you take a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of different value systems and a lot of different ways of thinking, and you put them together, what happens? Usually they get along, right? Everything makes sense. Like it's just, oh yeah, the dream team's here. Let's go. Right? This is, that's how it works. That, that's been everyone else's experience, right? That's, as, no, right? Like usually what happens is you get a bunch of people together and it's a hot mess. Because anyone who's made a good soup knows that it, it takes time. And it takes process. And it takes an understanding of, of what's important. And, and, and how we accentuate various things and when. And so Paul is writing to expose the nature and the character of God because he knows that if you understand the nature and the character of God, if you can see God, if you can see Jesus who lavishes His people with grace, even the very least of these people, if you can see that, that the Lord lavishes these people with grace and that, and that His riches are unsearchable, that, that, he's, that, 
that all of who he is will we'll never get to the bottom. We'll never reach the end where we go, oh, I know all that there is to know about Jesus and about his grace and about his love. Because his nature and his character is so vast and so great that it makes even Denali or McKinley seem like something quite ordinary. And it also, and he's, and he's trying to tell him, hey, look, so I need you to understand the nature and the character of God. And then I have to, you need to understand as a result who you are, right? So in the, in the first couple of chapters, Paul's been talking about what did he say about us that we're adopted, right? And that we're, as a result, we're heirs. And so he's saying, hey, it's, it's not by what you did, it's not by, you know, who, like how you were born or anything like that, and, you know, because Paul had a lot to, to brag about, right? You know, he's like, it's not my citizenship. It's not my, my birth order. It isn't my rabbinical training. It isn't any of these things. It's the fact that God predestined me for adoption. And he said, I want to make you my son. So I'm going to make you my child. So if you're in here and he's trying to say to you, I'm, I'm making you my son. I'm making you my daughter. You are an heir. And that should change the way you live. That, that changes who you are. That brings you a new identity, a new humanity. And so it's not based so on, on what we do, but who we are. Right? It's about the who, not the do. And we see this... and, and and he talks a little bit about this, this mystery piece, which I always thought was kind of interesting, and it's, it's fun to look at Paul's words like through our 2020, you know, I would say hindsight is 2020. And so if we look back after reading Paul's words, and you look back through Jesus' accounts to what the prophets were saying and, and through the rest of the Old Testament, you just see like, oh, duh, it's right there, right? So he talks about, you know, this grace has been preached to me so that, so that we can bring Jew and Gentile together so that we can not become, you know, a new nation, but actually a new people, a new humanity. And, and so how does this, how does, how does God do this? Right? Like even in, even in Jesus, the story of Jesus' birth, who are the people that see it first? Who gets it? Who are the people that we usually, in, in the nativity scene, there are usually three of them. They're really smart. They bring some stuff. They ride a camel. Okay, right. So it's these these magi, these wise men, and and what? How do they how do they see it? Do they do they read about it? Do they hear it on on CNN or or Fox? Do they you know is it on their social media feed? Have they been following this for a while? No, they're out like looking at the stars and they're going, whoa, something big is happening. Let's seek that out. And does the star bring them right to Bethlehem? Do they look up, go, cool, dipper, and then head over and get it? No, right? What happens? They, they first they they go to like, well, we're just going to go to like the the country where this guy is, and then we're going to talk to the people there. Surely they know, right? And so they they go to to Herod and some of his officials, and they're like, uh, I don't know, like, go talk to the scribes. And so they, they go to some people and then, and then the people open up the Word and they're like, oh yeah, we know. He'll be right here. It's right over that way. 
and, and they give him direction. And so we see that, that while creation and, and observation can bring up the questions, and there's a certain program that can give some focus, ultimately it's, it's his people and his word that provide that direction. And so this is a great, so what Paul is trying to do here is he's trying to encourage the people. He knows that, so Paul's writing from prison, um, and if you're in prison in Rome, it usually isn't going well for you. And he knows that he's probably not going to make it back to Asia Minor. It's, it's a considerable distance, and, uh, and he'd have to walk there or, or take the boat, and, um, and he knows, I'm, I'm probably not making it there. Um, but So he's trying to encourage the folks, and, and there's at least three ways that, that today's message encourages the folks. And it says, as promised heirs, it says, you'll never find an end to the riches of God. And knowing that his days are numbered, he's, he wants to instill in them and help them to understand that it isn't by your power, or, or, or from Paul's perspective, Paul's going, it's not by my power that you're united. It's not by my power that you're a good and healthy and thriving church. It's by God's grace alone that you are a healthy and thriving church. Paul's saying it's got to be less about me and more about Jesus. If you're banking your success on a leader, it's going to fail. If you're banking your success on the Lord, nothing can stand against it. And so he's saying it's not about me. It's about Christ. And it's not about you and, and new behavior or behavior modification or just trying to do something different. You know, a lot of times we can kind of tra- change the external. And Paul's saying it's not about transforming what you do, it's about God transforming who you are. It's not about trying to do a different plan or a different, you know, kind of way of, of, of doing life. It's, it's about God changing who you are setting you on a different course. And, and there's probably some... Anybody got any skeptics out there? Or people that just they don't want to take it right away? They want to, or maybe somebody says, I, I want to see a little bit of proof. How do I know? Has anybody ever asked that question? How do I know? How do I know, Paul? So maybe you're reading this letter and, and, and you might be wondering, well, Paul, how, how do I know that this is all going to come true? And Paul throws it right here at the end. And he says, hey, look... Um, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. So this is basically, he's just saying, hey, look, we saw last week that there's, there's a mission going on, right? Jesus is sending out the disciples. Paul is one of those disciples. We are some of those disciples. And he says, so there's this great mission going out both in heaven and on earth. And with every mission, you're going to have a counter mission. So he says, hey, well, there's going to be some, some principalities and some authorities that are going to wage war against you. Those are both just folks here on earth and then also cosmic forces that are going to, going to seek to go against us, which is nothing new, right? Like that's, that's post-fall. The, the world will war against us. Um, and he says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, that our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access to confidence through him in faith. And I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul's saying, this is already coming true. Do you see this? That, that my, my message of hope is undermining the purposes of, of the rulers and the, and the principalities and the authorities of the world so much to the point they're trying to lock me in jail. But the message will not be squelched. 
grace will not be caged. It will continue to go out. It will continue to flow and it will continue to pursue. And this message will not fall short. This is, so God's wisdom is already on display and causing all kinds of issues. That's how I know that what was promised in the past is present here and will continue on in the future. And so what, what do we need to know as a result of this? As we read this in, in, I think it's, he says it so well in, in verse 10 as he says, you know, he's, he's going on about how this grace has been given him to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Why? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. I love that line. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. So how how is how is the manifold wisdom and manifold right? Like we have anybody exhaust manifold? That's where I went with that one. Like where everything comes together, right? And if if you're not if you're not into exhaust manifolds, manifold was was this thing that would it was it was kind of a uh, it was all encompassing. And what it would have brought to to mind for our ancient Near Eastern readers was was kind of a garland or a, a garden scene where you have all sorts of, of beautiful plants and things working together as, as some sort of an art or, or a decoration. And so this, this beautiful, all-encompassing wisdom of God is made known how? In, in creation? In, in the stars? In, in, in Denali? In, in, the, in the vastness? In, in certain programs? How, how is it made known? In the church. Through you, through me, through the people sitting next to you, people on the other side of the building from you, the people that are, that are gathered around the world with whom we shared communion earlier today, were that the church, through this collected, broken, jacked up group of folks that, that Paul says, hey, yeah, of, of the least of all y'all, grace was given. That's how God's going to reveal who He is. And yeah, does He use, does he use the, the grandeur and the glory of, of all that He has created? Absolutely. But ultimately, how, does he, how, how do we fully know and understand who God is? It's through His people, through His Word, and through what happens when, when we interact with one another and when we interact with Him. And so what do we need to take away from this? Is that God's wisdom is shown through God's people. How we've said it before is God is shown great when the broken people do what? Participate. So God's work, God's people. And God is made great when the broken participate. We're to be a new humanity. But who we are, not based on what we've done. Because we do out of who we are. So why is, why is it important? Why do we have to see that the church is here to display the manifold wisdom of God? That the church is the theater of God's good works? That the church is to display God's wisdom? Why do we need to see that? Well, because it begins to, to help us understand why we exist and who we are. Often we, see this, we hear this message and we, we begin to just think individually. But how, do we, how are we going to begin to see this as changing us from, from self-centered to other-centered. Self-centered to Christ-centered. 
should always God's message of grace and hope should always move us toward the other. Should always move us to the Lord. And so this should change our identity from focus primarily on self to primarily on on God. And as a result, do we see the needs, our own needs, as more important than that of the community? Or do we begin to see the community's needs as more important than our own? And when we begin to see this, this gets us out of ritual and into transformation. So often we, we do that, that thing where, where we see like the, like the Magi or like my friend or, or even like myself or maybe some of you have done this where you see something big and great and, you, and it brings up all these questions within you and you begin to search out and, and you find a program and you just kind of hang in the program. And, you know, maybe you read the books or you do the thing, but you're doing all the work, but you're just going, gosh, I'm just not getting it. There's still this nagging sense deep within my soul. Why is that? Could it be that we're merely hanging in the ritual and not going through the process of transformation? That we aren't truly meeting with God's people and God's word? Because it's what, ha- and it isn't that, it isn't, this isn't me saying that observations are bad. This isn't me, I'm not bagging programs, right? Like we have programs, right? Like if you're, if you're here, you're going to gather in groups. And do we think that, you know, oh, just because you come to a communitas group that all, all of a sudden, you know, that's the magic secret sauce? No, it's what happens in those groups. It's what happens as a result of those groups. The groups are just the conduit to try to set up those times and those places for people to interact with one another to grow in grace and to be transformed into who they've been meant to be. So as I said before, it's easy to look back and see how Jesus is already doing this. He's trying to help people to see that you're not human doings, you're human beings. And, and at the end, when, when Paul says, he uses these words of access with confidence, the people would have known at the time that you don't go before a ruler boldly. You go before a ruler timidly. You don't go before the Lord with confidence or, or, or one of the, the local gods with confidence. You, you went timidly. You went with you know, bringing all sorts of gifts. And Paul is saying, hey, no, Jesus brought the gift. I just need you to, to come along. I need you to, to, to humble yourself, to accept the invitation, and to be who He's called you to be. So if, if we don't understand this, that we're supposed to be this manifold wisdom of God, what happens? Well, we'll just continue to look for satisfaction in what happened previously in our lives um, or, or what's going on now. You know, do you ever, it, I don't know if sometimes I have these moments where I think back about the glory days, right? You know, when I could still do various athletic feats. Not all that well, but you know, I could still do them. Um, you know, or, or maybe so. Whatever it was for you, maybe you had certain things that you used to be good at. And some of you are still young enough where you're like, "Well, I'm, I'm hoping that someday I will be good at something." Like I'm hoping to develop into, you know, and, and gain some ability so that I can do something. But if our hope is in is in what we did or what we could do we're always going to be left unsatisfied. 
Because we're not to be defined by what we've done or what we might do, but by who we are as those adopted heirs made in the image of God with intrinsic value and worth and worthy of service and honor and dignity. It's about the who, not the do. But as a result, a change of being should result in a change of doing. So as a result of this, what should we do? We should show God's wisdom through our unity. Like, isn't it a pretty cool thing? If you look around, go ahead, look around the room right now. It's not, you know, this, just look around. We, are we all wearing the same stuff? Do we all talk the same talk? Do we walk the same? We're all different, right? Like, how awesome is it that God has chosen to assemble a group of people that are different to show unity? It'd be really easy if he just said, hey, I'm just going to take these certain people in this certain niche and this certain slice of the pie and I'm going to put them together and that's going to be my church. And everyone else just has to to conform. No, he says, I'm welling you up within me. I've I've knit you together in your mother's womb. I've made you intimately, intricately, intricately, and uniquely. Not for your expression, but for my edification so that you come together and show my great wisdom in your unity. Not united over the type of music that we like, the funkiness of this building, who's up front, but by Christ. And so let's show God's wisdom through our unity. What would it look like for us to become the type of people who become the theater of God's good works? if we stop trying to to pump up and puff up our own works, but what God is doing in our lives. God has reached out and invited His jacked up people to live out of their new identity and to show His wisdom to the world. And so, what will we do with this invitation? Will we live out of our being as those adopted heirs, as those ambassadors, ones who have been given this call to go out and to make disciples, not out of what we can do, but who we actually are? As Paul says, you've got access. You've got confidence. Come before the throne of God. Go out into the kingdom with confidence and access to the Father. Not on your own accord, but on God's. So will we act out of our being or will we act out of our doing? Are we seeking to justify ourselves or glorify God? And this begs the question, how does being an adopted heir, an adopted son or daughter of God change the way that we interact with one another here in, in the row, in the section, in this building, and with the rest of the church? And so as we're thinking about this, what's, what's the next thing, what's the next right thing that you can do to perpetuate this hope? To put this on display? This time tomorrow, where will you be? It's currently 11-12. Who are you going to be around? What class are you going to be in? Where are you going to be at work? 
We're going to be at, at home. What will you be doing? Who will you be around? And how is this going to change the way that you interact with those around you? And so if Jesus is the model, I think it behooves us to model Him. And, and if we take what Paul is writing to us today, if we can boil it down into just three real simple simple action steps, let's, let's search the unsearchable riches of Christ through His world, through His Word, and through His people. And let's pray. We're going to get more into that next week. Um, Paul's got this nice long prayer for, for the folks, and we'll, we'll walk through that next week. And then we talk about this when we gather to scatter. As we, as we scatter out to go bring God's message of mercy, we know that there's going to be pushback. It isn't necessarily going to go well for us all the time. Don't be surprised. It's always been that way. And so when we hear God's voice, we must remember, remind, and rejoice. So let's remember that God's wisdom is shown through God's people. And let's remind one another it's about the who, not the do. And that's, let's rejoice in that this message of hope is already coming true. It's coming true when Paul wrote about it, and it's coming true daily here, made evidence by the fact that we're all here gathered together. So as Sean comes back up, uh, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank You that this grace is given to us. That it was preached to the Gentiles. That Your riches are unsearchable. And so, Jesus, we pray that Your message would be shown through Your church. And so, Holy Spirit, we know that authorities and principalities and rulers may attempt to come against us, but we know that we have access and boldness in You. And so, with confidence, we draw near to You. That we would not lose heart. That we would seek Your glory. Amen. May our lives shout that Jesus is Lord. We have gathered today to worship, to encourage one another, to be confirmed, to be convicted, so that we can go better convey. So as you go out today, may you go out with the understanding that your access and your confidence and your boldness is to be in the Lord. And that we as a church are the manifold wisdom of God. We're to be on display for the world to show God's great works. As you act this week, may it be, may it be out of a sense of who you are and what God has done. Join us in the back for some caffeinated beverages and simple carbohydrates. Go in peace.